0: Gabagool. Gabagool. Hey hey, 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 we're talking The Sopranos. We're talking the number one socialist program on television. Am I right? <laughs> Am I right, guys? Okay. You know, look, we got, we're here. We're here now. It's me, Matt, and Felix. We're talking The Sopranos. We're talking The Many Saints of Newark, but we are joined by The Many Saints of Sopranos-based leftist podcast. That's right, it's the Pod Yourself a Gun Boys. Vince Mancini and Matt Lieb are joining us for our today's show, which we will be discussing all things Jersey.
1: Hey, we're podding over here. Hey. Go, go, go. <laughs> Can we do anti Italian voices on this podcast? Is
0: that a lot? Yeah, I think that's that's pretty much well established at this point. Okay, so all right, well so yeah, we got uh we got really some 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 of the the finest minds in Sopranos based posting and podcasting. I mean uh, so we all we all watched the many saints of Newark. I will say among, out of Felix, Matt and myself, I liked the movie the most. And by liked it the most, I thought it was pretty bad.
1: I mean, that's, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah,
2: I feel like it was b- bad and I didn't mind that it was that bad. Cause it was, I don't know, just reliving dumb Sopranos crap as a movie. Yeah. Not great. I mean, I'm surprised
1: by people who thought like, oh, this is going to be good. A Soprano's prequel,
3: A Soprano's story. I would like to meet the people who went to see it in the theater. I would like to have a conversation with them. That's for
4: sure. I um I think I know how this movie came to be. Uh-huh. So, HBO Max was like um hey, uh we're we're starting a version of HBO that's bad. <laughs> we're, we're basically we're starting a version of HBO that's like an unself-aware CW. <laughs> and we're going to make a bunch of shows like that and it will also be the only way to see movies like Wonder Woman 1984, The Animal Farm. <laughs> and we need we need another thing that sucks. <laughs> we need we need something that like the scene transitions literally every 30 seconds, but the movie is still somehow too long. Mm-hmm. Uh we need to never build up anything interesting about the characters. You just flat out tell us everything that's going on with the characters in the clumsiest way possible. Like you're making 50 individual TikToks about (laughs) the fathers of famous Sopranos characters, but bundled together over two hours. uh, We need to ride this wave to get in the 500,000 homes in America that have HBO Max. And uh, David Chase was like, yeah okay uh can can i put some like stupid buddhist bullshit <laughs> yes. in it and they were like absolutely and he's like okay i'm i'm in yeah. and yeah he started like writing those scenes where he's like you have to give up your possessions to oh, wantings bad uh by the way i made two million dollars to com- completely write the worst <laughs> Worst thing that's ever been based on this incredible (laughs) show I made. Actually, worse in every way than Sopranos Road to Respect. Worse than the Sopranos Cards Against Humanity game I'm assuming exists.
1: I mean, to to be fair, I thought it was peak David Chase to do a movie about the Sopranos and be like, okay, I'm going to make it 50% about Tony Soprano's family friend. And the other fifty percent is going to be about a black guy named Harold that we've never met.
2: Yeah, <laughs> who I think like, yeah. the, was that just like lateral thinking, where he's like, "All right, there's a street gang called the Black Saints. They yeah. got to be in the Many Saints because Multisanti, yeah. Many Saints. There's we got to cover it all. Yeah. Well, I'm I so the way that happened is
4: I'm David Chase's friend, uh-huh. and he was over at my place, and I was uh, <laughs> I was playing Grand Theft Auto. And he was just, like, you know, doing the thing where your friend complains about their problems and, like, ask you questions and you're not paying yeah. attention. And he was like, oh, I don't know. Uh, should I write a two-hour movie that's about my perspective about race? <laughs> <laughs> and I w- wasn't. I was like, uh, yeah, totally. Yeah. And only after he left did I realize what I yeah. had
0: done. I got to say my biggest problem uh, with uh, the Many Saints of Newark Sopranos story, uh, at least in contrast to the original series... Not enough socialism. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunate. There is, very, there is very little leftism and praxis in the many states of Newark. But uh, before we get into the film itself, I would, I would be remiss if I didn't bring up this article from uh, the Wall Street Journal this week, uh, looking in, just checking in on wh- how the real life Sopranos are faring in uh, 2021. And the answer is, uh, much like this movie, uh, not very <laughs> mm-hmm. good. Um, it says here, uh, fail, lousy management, knucklehead hires, plague operations of real life Sopranos. <laughs> uh, so it says the kiss of death for mafia families isn't necessarily from gang wars or snitches. These days, organized crime is threatened more by mismanagement, lousy hires, and half-baked successions <laughs> plans. Uh, Former mob investigators point to the case against Andrew Russo, the man federal prosecutors allege heads the Colombo crime family, one of the five storied mafia clans that ruled the New York underworld for much of the last century. The alleged Colombo leaders management troubles seem to mirror those of Tony Soprano, the fictional TV mob boss who wrestled with picking a successor and keeping his hands out of the dirty work. Mr. Russo was arraigned September 14th in a crippling takedown of the Colombo family's C suite leaders and middle managers. Prosecutors said in court documents that Mr. Russo, his underboss, consigliere, several captains, and other subordinates carried out over two decades a purported scheme to extort money from a New York City union and a related health care fund. I wonder if that union is the Sergeant's <laughs> Benevolence <laughs> Association, because, you know, the FBI was up. Uh, but here, here's, the, here's the nut graph of the piece it says here. Mr. Curtis said the top-level micromanaging in the Colombo case reflected concerns about the incompetence of lower-level members. A new generation of wise guys didn't properly learn the business, according to former government <laughs> investigators. <laughs> yeah. Older members complain that the millennials who grew up in the suburbs instead of city streets are softer, dumber, and not as loyal as the mobsters of past. I passed. mean, that's fair. Plus,
1: that's probably true. They were <laughs> probably like, hey, you guys want to put some money in GameStop? They definitely didn't have like schemes brewing that would mix well with the mafia.
0: I mean, I take this article at, at, at face value here, but I do like the suggestion that the previous gem- generations of the Colombo family were smart <laughs> and, and had a good succession plan that didn't
2: just involve like their old boss getting whacked by the new boss. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Car-
4: Carlo Gambino, who is like as close to like a competent, like smart mobster as you can really get. Like that's who they kind of based Carmine Lupertazzi senior off of his plan for like after he died was like, um, the guy in charge should be the guy that everyone hates. <laughs> okay, I'm dying now,
0: peace. <laughs> yeah. But uh no, it's it's not over here. It says here, uh the problem with these softer, dumber suburban uh made guys is they're always texting. Mm. Everything is on the phones with them, said a former maid member of the Colombo family who knows some of the men accused in the case. One Colombo associate is accused of sending threatening texts to a union official over extortion collections. (laughs) Hey, hey, this is, this is quote here. Hey, this is the second text. There isn't going to be a third, the associate wrote, according to (laughs) court records. I'm sure that is frowned upon in mob circles, former FBI agent and crisis management consultant Richard Frankel said of what appeared to be incriminating texts. So yeah, uh if you are going to be involved in organized crime, uh, I highly recommended that you not text um, the victims of your extortion well, you use plots on um, that you were, done, were doing crimes. Yeah, yeah. use a Signal <laughs> chat, you know,
1: something encrypted for sure. Um do not send an email uh that says uh, hey, I've got a gun and I'm going to shoot you with it sent from my iPhone, you know? Cuz they're going to they're going to be able to tell.
4: It is like it's hard to like have a mafia with without like a production economy Mm, yeah that's the main that's the main thing it's just like every the only thing we do is just like like new ways to like lubricate the consumer experience and have new classes of servants for people who work at offices and like so the only new things that get created in the economy are like Oh, there's an even faster service where a slave will bring you Uncrustables. (laughs) So like that 15 15 minute like grocery delivery service. And like, so there's just like less and less opportunities for like the mafia to get in along the way. And like, I do, I do sort of think we should have a strong mafia. If not just for like, there are more activities you can do. Like there's like a like there would be like a secret casino in Manhattan, like stuff like that. There'd be more ga- there'd be more gambling. There'd be more fun stuff to do. It would be like it would be like a good job for some people. Like that's the only job some people can do. But it's really like you would have to totally br- bring the clock yeah. back on the economy to have a Yeah, mafia. you need
2: production to actually shut down. Yeah. You can't like extort grow
4: like, if you were like, oh, we're going to kill a bunch of the drivers, they'd be like, we were going to do that. <laughs> Saving us like, time. Like, we don't, we don't care. We don't care. Like, fuck you.
0: Well, uh, uh, Matt, as you said, uh, uh Chrisman, as you said in the article, uh, th- th- this is very like, um, uh, profet- it shows that The Sopranos, the TV show is very prophetic in a way in that it showed the uh, transition of one generation to another of uh, mafia leaders.
3: Yeah, uh, it's uh it's a breakfast cereal called Oops All Aj's. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but was there like ever a time when like mafia dudes actually didn't snitch? I mean, there's like this idea that the the made man ceremony uh, meant something in like some past day, but like they kind of were always uh, snitching on each other when they went no, of down. Of course, like... it was all bullshit all the time. Yeah. But, but it's just it was harder no, to get. Yeah,
3: it was harder to get in trouble even with the snitching before Rico. Right, which right. honestly, it was very unfair to just change the rules in the middle of the game that way. Yeah, I
4: I do think we should like repeal Rico.
3: <laughs> like I did, like kind of. I don't if know. If we want to have fun Mafia again, we're gonna have to get rid of Rico because it's impossible to do yeah. cool Mafia crimes when it's like illegal to hang out with somebody who does crimes. Yeah.
4: yeah. Well, I mean, like, yeah, like if you look at like the consequences of Rico, it's just like no like gain can really get that big which i guess is the goal they'd be like oh we did what we wanted to do but it's just like well there's still gonna be crime and so just like different smaller sets of people just like killing each other and like reprisals and counter right just and crime it's like,
1: sucks now like crime used to be like fun yeah. and cool and now it's like well, boring and yeah. it involves crypto
4: Yeah, it, it, it's like don't you think it would be cool if like bmf was still like huge like that's my pitch to repeal Rico. Like, wouldn't it be fun like it would be a new thing. There 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 would be like, yeah. No, the thing with organized crime is that like yeah, there are more
0: activities. Mm-hmm. Uh you got uh, numbers, prostitution, unions, and um clean, safe <sighs> heroin that doesn't have fentanyl yeah. in
4: it. Yeah, no, that shit only started happening like after we destroyed everything. Yeah,
0: you know, we 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 don't have
1: the good old fashioned Italian mafia to go into the heroin and just pick out, you know, all the little pieces of fentanyl that just comes with it. You know, we need we we need to bring the mafia back purely just to purify our drug supply. I mean, that's well, e-
4: yeah, even even that, like any any like large organized crime group, like if you like. La- how many people do you think get tainted stuff from Costco? Probably not <laughs> <Yeah>. that
2: many. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's it's kinda it's kind of just they're doing the same thing that they've done with every industry, which is that, you know, you you don't really do customer service face-to-face like with anyone in any situation anymore. And that like it includes extortion. Like it used to be, you know, you got extorted by someone who maybe lived in your neighborhood, but now like there's already 10 different faceless uh, organizations doing that for them.
0: Yeah. To to expand the aperture here outside of uh, the real-life mafia to the the world of the fictional Jersey mob as portrayed in The Sopranos, I mean, it's unquestionable that The Sopranos now, like, you know, so some 20 years after it was on TV... Is experience is going through like a, a, a renewed cultural renaissance, and it's one that the New York Times uh, took note of in a recent article. Why is every young person in America watching The Sopranos? And of course, uh, Vincent Matt, uh, they they name check you guys on there. I just
1: want to say <laughs> <It> this says, <laughs> has nothing to do with the fact that they name checked our podcast. It was just a uh, it was beautifully written. I, I didn't finish it, but it sound like halfway through, I was like, I, I get, I get it, and uh,
0: yeah, fantastic. Yes, uh, the, pod- the podcast in question, of course, is Gabagool and How Roses, the you. only leftist <laughs> Sopranos podcast.
1: How fucking
0: dare... When I read
1: that, I was just like, who are these fucking mooks <laughs> who claim to have the only... And then I realized they were just... Uh, they were just ripping on our joke in which we say we are the only Sopranos podcast.
0: Well, it, the New York Times does goes on to say, uh, because there's also the much more yeah. popular Pod Yourself a Gun, which frequently brings in guests from the expanded Brooklyn leftist <laughs> podcast scene. But I live feeling- in Manhattan. I'm a lifelong Manhattan <laughs> resident. <laughs> But Felix uh, they 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 quote you for like uh, nearly a half a paragraph here and you say the 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 shows um uh like uh, just, just sort of the way the show only gets more relevant with time which is a, I, I think a testament of what like a great work of art is especially in an era now in which most art even good art seems very disposable or it has a very limited half life and uh you're quoted here as writing uh, or saying uh rather uh, uh, decline not as romantic singular aesthetically breathtaking act of destruction he said but as a humiliating slow motion slide down into a puddle of filth you don't flee burning Rome with your beautiful beloved in your arms barely escaping a murderous horde of barbarians you sit down for 18 hours a day enjoy fewer things than you used to and take on the worst qualities of your parents while you watch your kids take on the worst qualities of you um, <laughs> like, I, I, like how, how do you see the, like, the, the, that essential Sopranos vision of like family and just the, just the general rise state of like 21st century America. Like, how do you think that contributes to this, this resurgence and kind of timeless quality of the show?
4: I, I, well, I think because like everyone is on some level aware that they're like an AJ or a meadow or like, I mean, I'm broadly speaking in like the universe of people who can like afford HBO streaming and like, yeah, the permanent to hire the permanent slave class we've created through apps, blah, blah, blah. Like the people this article, Willie Stallion's article is talking about. Um, You are either like completely zeroed in on whatever you want, even though that thing you want is like always shifting. And you you're very self-possessed and you have an almost like gangster like quality of being able to cross people out to run people over and to just internalize whatever bad implication of whatever the thing you're doing is. Or you're just like, you're just floating from thing to thing until you can finally like glom onto something that's stable enough that you can like 70 to 80% replicate like the the financial profile of your parents, maybe. Or if you're an older millennial, maybe you're a little Carmine. Yeah. (laughs) And you've found peace
0: and you're a good person. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, uh Vincent, matt though i mean you, you guys are uh, c- certainly at the forefront of this uh this the soprano's restoration here but like uh, what what is it about the show like like considering it like i mean f- obviously like for me like re-watching the show the thing that sticks out the most is how fucking unbelievably mm. funny it is like it's like some of the funniest writing uh, that's ever been on tv but like what what, what about the show speaks to you guys as, in, in the year 2021
1: uh, well, essentially, The Sopranos is a show about uh, like titties, meat and respect. And th- that's a <laughs> trifecta of things that everybody likes. Um, but also, I think it, where it relates to I think most people now is just kind of... Um, Uh, I don't know. There's something about watching what something that is essentially a sitcom about a suburban dad who hates his son, um, set in like a a, a kind of the decline of I don't know the capital of a capitalist empire. That I think you know as uh, I don't know as as America slips further and further down this line of just turning into a giant corporatized uh, you know not really democracy uh i feel like people are looking back at the sopranos as i don't know kind of prophetic because you just see that like there is you know in the article they mentioned that scene where they try to uh they try to extort a guy who works at a starbucks and uh <laughs> yeah and they're like oh man this is uh you know it's uh, it's over for the little guy and i feel like now it's like never been more over for the little guy than it is currently in 2021 there just does not exist a little guy and uh and now we're kind of like looking back at mafia mafia crime and going like that was a that was a signal that at a at one point america had like a thriving small business community that no longer exists also it's very funny and did i mention titties yeah, so it's
2: like nice. like we're definitely way past like the death of monoculture, but like that show was on from like '99 to 2007, so like even in the course of that show, like you kind of go from like there being some idea of a monoculture to it like dying like throughout the course of the show, and uh, it's just fu- it's funny to watch them like you said, just basically trying to do this uh, sort of pantomime of what their idea of like the mafia is. I think one mm-hmm. of the reasons like the movie is not as good is because like the main character is struggling like with whether he's a good person and whether he's like going to hell or, or whatever. But like the in the Sopranos, like Tony's dilemma was like, "Am I a toxic person?" It wasn't right. like the old school, uh, you know, God and the devil type shit. It was like the uh, late nineties iteration of that, where it's like he's not, he doesn't even care about like heaven or hell. It's like, "Am I like self actualized as a dad?" Yeah.
4: Well, I I, I think like something that like made the original show work so well was like, if all that, everything that you we've described is sort of like the meat of it. It's the, it's the dominating flavor. Well, the bread, the thing that holds everything together is that you, it goes into the mafia in this way that like Goodfellas does the same reason that like is integral to why Goodfellas is important. It, you, instead of like these, the modern like hyper focus on characters as this thing that's designed so people will always talk about them and uniquely relate to the characters and uh make it their entire personality while the show was very character focused everything that held it the thing that held everything together was that like you really get into the specifics of like What type of scams they're doing Mm -hmm. or like the like the interpersonal like day to day bullshit of like running a small mafia crew Mm -hmm. that was that like was just like very enjoyable to see. Like it's enjoyable to see people driving like expensive, but like sort of like garish and embarrassing cars and outfits and, like, oh, this is what it's like when you, like, pick up money from a place you're extorting. This is how you would do, like, a real estate scam. Right. And it's it's a look into a different enough world that it, like, totally hooks you. And and, and with this, I felt like, with, with, like, the movie, I felt like it's the opposite. Like, it's very much a modern creation where, like, I could barely pick up what they were actually doing to make money. <laughs> it was just, it was like those tiktoks were like a really a really handsome like 22 year old like wears a hat and goes like pov i'm in the mafia and i'm your dad and you're my hostage <laughs> because it's like what mafia things are they fucking doing it's just all about the fucking characters and the character stuff isn't even that good like i feel like dicky dicky could have been like such a fucking good character to look at because it's like that's a very of type question for this now franchise like oh am i a good person or not and it's like no you're the shittiest (laughs) person you're like one of the worst people (laughs) like alive Uh, but like but like they just they fucking blow it they make it so much about the character and they don't even like really show you that many interesting contours yeah
0: you'd think after uh what is it like uh six and a half seasons of the sopranos now like years later to do a prequel where like the main character is questioning like am i a good person or not would seem a little bit irrelevant because it's like yeah it's been established (laughs) you're all going (laughs) to hell you're all (laughs) deeply irredeemable people and you know if the the sopranos the tv series was sort of a uh, through the focus on on this family and their day to day lives is a sort of broader uh, athrenity, a, a, a dirge for the the death of 20th century America. And you know, with the acknowledgement that like what's dying was never <laughs> all that good or nice to begin with, but with the bone deep assurance that we all feel that whatever's coming next is going to be worse. Yeah, yeah. Now this would be this would be a good time to talk about the movie The Never the Many Saints of Newark, a Sopranos story, because it, uh, it it I mean it it fits that prophecy to a T because. Uh, what comes after is um not all that good so gentlemen shall we get into a Soprano story let's do
1: it dude it's uh I just want a a quick defense of Dickie Moltisanti's character in this I think yes uh they I don't know they they really didn't uh they didn't make him interesting enough uh for me to say that he was necessarily a good character but what I did like about it is just from like the vantage point of Tony Soprano in the show the sopranos he's looking back at this guy uh as like man this was the coolest guy i knew this was the guy in the neighborhood who was like he you know he he was who we all modeled modeled ourselves after and then in the movie he's just like a guy who like steals speakers and and he says the n-word and you know he takes him takes him to rated R movies like the fact that he's kind of this boring guy who sucks like that's the reality of this like glorified past he looks on. I I enjoyed that maybe on like a meta level, not necessarily a no, level yeah, they intended.
4: That's good, but it's like that it would have worked better if they, like. I mean, I have to say, in general, this is a huge L for movie man <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> and the vindication of TV trickery, the highest (laughs) art form because like (laughs) the things that made characters like that, like sing in the Sopranos and for you to like be able to immediately get the meta jokes of it were two things. It was like the humor Mm. of it, like the very subtle humor of every scene, like Going from explicit things like malapropisms that like serve the function of both being funny and showing how like outside of society they right. are that no one's no normal person has ever corrected them on these to like yeah the t- the types of things that they think are cool yeah. whether it's like the jacket or like yeah Dickie Montasante but there's this is like a uniquely humorless Sopranos product and also the other thing is like the constant like tension and foreboding. Mm-hmm. And I realize that's, like, kind of a – the tension part's a little difficult when it's, like, something that's already happened. But, like, I was remembering, like, Soprano's home Mm -hmm. movie. Like, what a good episode that is because it's, like, it just – there's this constant, like, shitty feeling Mm -hmm. around it. Like, something – like, obviously something bad is going to happen. But also just, like, even the moments of downtime are just filled with this constant, like, resentment and shitty feeling and emptiness. The like purposeful emptiness and there's like just none of that
2: here. Yeah, I think you read like you read a certain amount of blind spots into everybody's like worldview uh in the Sopranos, and that's kind of very deliberate. Like the episode that this whole movie basically comes out of is the episode where The Newark race riots are going on and Tony's like entire memory of that day was like not getting to go to uh, the amusement park. And like that is such like a more relevant comment on race and race politics and especially like the way these characters deal with it than actually going back and trying to have like an entire storyline of like a burgeoning black gang that they tried to do. In this movie, it's like he was trying to do the same, the the exact thing that the Sopranos deliberately had a blind spot about. Right.
0: Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, you bring it up because, like, the, the two main characters in this movie are uh, Dickie Multisante, Christopher's father, played by uh, Alessandro Nivola. Uh, you you might remember from such role as uh, Caster Troy, uh, no, Pollux Troy, Caster's brother yeah. from Face Off, um, and that's it. That's the. I mean, he's been in a lot <laughs> he of. He was in one of the Jurassic Parks. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, he was in Jurassic Park three. I he didn't see that Park one, 3. but he, that's uh, a
1: you know that's a movie.
0: Um, and then the other main character is um, a black guy <laughs> yeah. named Harold, who uh, starts out as a runner for Dickie. And then goes like inspired by sort of burgeoning black nationalism, like uh, decides to like go out on his own and start his yeah. own book, backed by uh, backed by American gangster yeah. Frank Lucas, who makes a cameo appearance. But like, uh, wh- I mean, ha- okay, Here- here's the question: Have they made the friggin' Sopranos woke? Because the original show was about loving America, loving your family, <laughs> mm-hmm. honor, loyalty, and small loving business entrepreneurialism
5: mm-hmm
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, it was they made so I mean like it, this does seem like it, it does seem like it was like uh, a, a a largely unnecessary attempt on the filmmakers of this movie to like correct this blind spot that existed yeah, on the show yeah terrible and idea and to portray terrible. Essentially, the the uh, the kind of like how fucked. Up, I mean, yeah, I mean, it is something to me show like how fucked over and abused the black community of Newark was, particularly in this weird relationship mm-hmm. that they had with um, Italian Americans. But I mean, what, what did you guys make of the the overall like the inclusion of uh, uh, black people in a way that The Sopranos never really has. Uh, I a, a mean, other than it
1: being possibly just a giant troll by David Chase, because no one hates the fans more than David Chase. Uh, I do think that uh, it was. A poor decision. I mean, in this rewatch of the Sopranos that Vince and I are doing on the podcast, uh, something that I never noticed at the time when I, you know, first watch it is that uh, these guys do not know how to write black characters at all. They've tried. Many no. times on the Sopranos to uh have like a like a, a black character like they
2: had Remember book
0: remember book Team yeah. Woodbine <laughs> massive genius? genius. <laughs> it was like why don't the we last make... one we
2: watched had like two black kids on the beach discovering the body uh, discovering a body and one kid says to the other one, I heard that man and it's like Yeah Nobody's said that since nineteen seventy five. Yeah, yeah <laughs> like, you
1: just have these like you know, these like old white TV writers trying to write black people and it's just never it's just never never worked out well in the show. I can't imagine why there would be like, okay, we get this, we got a consultant, you know, Mm -hmm. this is going to be good black dialogue. And then it's just, it's mostly just him like watching uh, black poetry in the seventies and being like, this is giving me ideas to do my own thing. And it's, it just does not
4: work. It felt very thrown together, and the character itself, himself was, like, very two-dimensional yeah. to the point where it's like, well, you just, like, shouldn't have done it then. Because, like, because like A, like, in big things, like, okay, so what's this character? Like, he, you could start with something that, like, could go in, like, is a decent idea and can go into a decent storyline. Like, he has this, like, resentment for, yeah you know, working for Dickie and always, like, being looked at a certain way when he comes in to like hand off this fucking money and being talked down to. But like the, so the rest of the character arc is he sees, he sees like black nationalist poetry and is like, Oh, I'm going to do bigger crimes. Yeah. And and, like, just, there's no real interesting like growth or tension with that character. He has no like real contours to him. And he wants to be in the army.
1: That was his big, that was his big thing. He's not yeah, entertainingly yeah, he,
2: shitty. Like every single character on The Sopranos is like an asshole in their own like unique diamond sort of way, and he's like not really that at all. Like, there's there's no interesting idiosyncrasies to him.
0: Uh, we should mention uh, he, the Harold is played by uh, Leslie Odom yeah. Jr. And yeah, like it just uh, it, it seemed like they, they they wanted to include Leslie like, Odom um, Jr. Like like <laughs> Leslie Odom Jr. <laughs> 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 no, uh, but like but yeah, you're right. Like they they didn't give his character any of the appealing revolting yeah. aspects of every other no, character no. which made him very flat and and, and, I think- and also also
4: the other thing i was going to say is like it's there's so like little attention to detail with him and his backstory versus like the other characters when they're writing him because it's like with other characters throughout this entire franchise now like they, they there's like an attention paid to like Oh yeah, this guy wouldn't know this guy. Like this guy would have never met this guy. He's not important enough. Like Chris uh, Carmine Sr. wouldn't know who fucking Paulie is, yeah. really. But like, so this guy who was just a runner for like a member of a crew in fucking New Jersey would be like, Oh yeah, no, my friend Frank Lucas. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. Like like Because well, they were both he he from wouldn't North wouldn't Carolina, he see? Yeah, like, they, he would have, they would have known each yeah. other. Like, that's ridiculous. I mean, it's a
1: very white thing to do, where it's just kind of like, uh, you know how all black people know each other. In this case, it'll yeah. be he knows Frank Lucas.
2: What, it also feels like the entire storyline is sort of like the Italian-American fantasy that uh, black people were copying us. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I should mention that the, this film is directed by uh, Alan Taylor, who you might remember from such films as Terminator <laughs> Genesis and Thor: The mm. Dark World. Um, they could they should have called this movie uh, Sopranos: The Dark World because I don't know if you guys noticed, but the color correction on this movie were like was terrible. There were they had this uh, this the sheen was all off. It was this like very gray, blue, like dark, like fucking, like uh just just palette to everything and i thought it was the movie was just, it was very ugly and i had problems with that from like the the get i don't think
1: anyone in the sopranos watches uh movies a- at this point i'm convinced that david chase is like uh so bitter about the fact that he became a famous tv guy that he just he saw that like you know dark color correction in it and he was just like yeah i guess this is what movies look like and it's just, you know, you know, awful.
0: you know how like in, in, in movies nowadays, whenever it's set in a foreign yeah. country, be it like Mexico right. or the Middle East, they give it that like very like that desaturated yes. uh fucking like color correction on it. It's like they do the same thing for this one, but it's just like in the past that there were there were no there were like there were less colors in yeah. the 70s.
4: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, everything now uh, made after like really Trump was president looks like either like a student film, but made by like the son of a billionaire who's in the class, which is what this looks like, or it looks like a college humor sketch, which is what the new cowboy.
3: <laughs> and in, in that way, and also in the way that it shoehorns in this uh, this black character, the movie really does have a, a meta commentary on on and on the decline. Uh, since The Sopranos. Like, yeah. everybody in The Sopranos was aware that they were living in a declining age and fearing the fact that on- things could only get worse. And here is a movie uh, in the same universe uh, that comes out like a decade, uh, half a decade later, that is in every respect worse, and worse in ways that are identifiable, <laughs> like the yeah. anxiety of white, um, white creators who feel obligated to yeah. uh, include black audi- uh, a black perspective, which is as good as an obligatory uh, yeah. element of a of a movie should ends up being, and then also it
0: looks like the same cheap dog shit as everything else that's made now. Yeah. So, uh, the film begins. I mean, <laughs> it is, I, I thought very appropriate. And, and you know what? Maybe even a troll on David Chase's part. I think you may be right about that, Matt. The, the movie begins. A movie that is the resurrection of a dead TV series begins with the thoughts and voices of yeah. dead people. <laughs> It, it, it opens Some up in a graveyard, and it, yeah. yeah, it opens up in a graveyard. And as it moves from grave to grave, you just grave to grave, you hear the occupants of of each uh, or earthly resting yeah. place, um, just like nattering on in their thoughts about like the things that they did in their lives or yeah. should have done. Until we get to the grave of one Christopher Moltisanti. and Michael Imperioli does the voiceover, and he is sort of the uh, he just shows up in a couple times in this movie to just be like, "That was back then, yeah. <laughs> back way back. I wish I lived back <laughs> then. Yeah, that where, this yeah. is before Neil Young walked <laughs> on the moon." You know, it just gives you a little little Christopher Christopherisms or whatever. But he's narrating the story of his father, and as we meet very early in the movie, his grandfather, played by Ray oh. Liotta, who I gotta say is I. Is looking just <laughs> <looks> great. <laughs> <laughs> look, yeah. Yeah, the see, chantix is working. <laughs> he's not smoking <laughs> yeah. anymore.
1: He well, looks gave, very
0: healthy.
2: They gave him two characters, and like the first <laughs> character that they have him play, oh, yeah, yeah, is yeah, like, clearly <laughs> supposed to be on death's door. But at the, at the beginning, I was just like, oh, I guess this is just what Ray Liotta looks like now. Like yeah. I didn't re-
4: <laughs> Well, yeah, yeah, well, like the one. So like when when he's playing the grandfather, like I don't know, like. It, for like Rayleigh on his faceless, it looks like he's like a cat that e- ate a bee. <laughs> <laughs> like he just like he went into the creative character screen and was like cheek size, huge. <laughs> <laughs> like, his, he like fell asleep on the controller <laughs> on that one. But like the guy who's supposed to be playing on Death's Door, like the the uncle, like the the, the guy who's in prison. Like looks significantly healthier than he does at the grandfather because like I don't know what he did I don't know if they like deflated his cheekbones mm-hmm. or what but it's like oh he looks more like a regular sixty something year old man.
0: Uh, I, this to me was like the the most baffling part about this movie because like you show if they give you some Ray Liotta, and then, um, uh, shortly shortly after Ray Liotta's character is introduced, um, he is killed by his own son for be- for beating up his stepmother. Uh, the movie begins; he's just coming back from Italy, and he has this gorgeous Italian bride who's like forty years younger <laughs> than him. He, he bought her from some yeah. village or whatever, and she's she's like, "I happen to be <laughs> yeah. in America." Like uh, she loves it, but then, like you know, he throws her down the stairs, and then Dicky, of course, is like you know, is super into her as well. I mean, who, who wouldn't be? Uh, he kills his father, and I'm like, oh. Well, I guess that's the end of Ray Liotta. Nope. <laughs> so, nope. <laughs> yeah. if you were if you were disappointed if you were, if you were disappointed 15 minutes into this movie that they squandered Ray Liotta, yeah. do not fear because he is introduced again through the baffling plot contrivance that he that his that he has a well, twin so, brother who's in That was my question. They never said the
2: word twin, did they? Like yeah. was he supposed no, to be a twin? No, they just said his brother.
0: Yeah. I I
1: love the idea that it's not a twin and they were just like, "Well, Ray's already on set, guys. Can we just Can we just use him again? Because doing two for the price of one on Ray Liotta is pretty wild choice.
4: And the character they use him for is, like, maybe the worst in the movie. (laughs) Because, like, if you thought they made Harold Hollow, Like, this is the shittiest character they've ever done. Because it's just, like, David Chase's, like, stupid religious (laughs) shit. Where it's like, oh, I need a character... A character who's like a 70-year-old man who's been in prison for like 30 years in 1972 is like, yeah, actually, I've been, um so in Buddhism, <laughs> yeah. this is what they say. And it's like, they, they, would they have books about like deep Buddhist thought in like the, uh, the state prison in New Jersey? Yeah.
2: Like, what the fuck are you talking about? It's like about? they tried to make a new Melfi, but but they tried to write it, write him like he's actually giving good advice. Like, right. that was the good thing about <laughs> yeah, Melfi in the original show was, like, <laughs> she's supposed to be the shrink character and, like, you know, to dissect uh, Tony's psyche and all that. But, like, for the most of the show, she was really shitty at, at it and, like... She was just a vehicle for them to rip on uh, you know upper middle class intellectuals as much as they do on the mafia. But mm-hmm. then in this version it's just like, oh no, this is these are all of the good things I think about myself uh, put into this character.
4: Yeah, like like Mel the point of Melfi is that like psychiatry is just like it, it, and therapy is like often just a way for you to like rationalize and clinicize like your your actual moral failings. And it's like it's a good way to just like evade any personal agency you have in your own Mm. choices. Uh, But with this, it's like what this nothing was added by this character except for like David Chase to remind everyone that he's like into Buddhism.
2: I do like I do enjoy that as a story choice, just in terms of like David Chase clearly has this idea of himself as like, you know, an intellectual who sort of doesn't play by the rules of studio notes. And, and you know, he he's always, like, trying to avoid doing, like, audience uh, audience service type shit. Right. But he's also such, like, a TV writer at heart that he still can't help but write, like, oh, yeah, he's got an identical twin brother who shows up. Like, he's still doing, like, weird 70s, like, detective show uh, plot twists in all of his movies.
0: Well, I mean, if... <laughs> If David Chase is um, turned off by fan service <laughs> then I don't know what was going on. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what was I don't know what. I mean maybe this is just him trolling because there are so many parts especially in the second half of this movie where like you get to see Uncle Junior say he never had the makings mm-hmm. of a varsity athlete. You're like that's why yeah. he yeah. said it. Yeah. Ah, yeah. Ah. There was well, countless, yeah. <laughs> uh, like
1: moments of fan service that like it it felt like David Chase has reached a point where um, his—I don't know—where his his hatred for uh, the Sopranos fan has has like I don't know—it's like reached a level. It's done. uh, It's done a 180, and now he hates people who know that he hates the fans. So now he hates me. It's very strange, but I was just (laughs) like his his attempt to make the most uh, unlikable movie ever,
2: and that's art, dude. That's just what art is. Yeah, he put like all these heavy hitters in the cast where he put like Corey Stoll and Vera Farmiga yeah. and John Bernthal and, you know, Tony Sopranos or uh, James Gandolfini's son. And but he then he's like, oh, oh, yeah, but, the, but the movie's not really about them at all. He's just going to come by for like two scenes and then they're going to be gone. So
0: the whole first hour of this movie, which felt mm-hmm. like three. Um, just basically introduces Harold <laughs> as a character and then it gives you like the, the young versions of like you said John Barenthal is yeah. Johnny Boy Tony's father Vera Farmiga is Livia there was one funny scene at Janice's confirmation where uh, Livia is introduced um, she's tending to the baby carriage <laughs> of the youngest smoking. soprano sister <laughs> and just blowing cigarette <laughs> yeah. smoke directly into the, into yeah. the meanwhile crib.
1: Hollywood Dick is is just showing a picture of his hot wife to a priest
0: and is just <laughs> yeah. like
1: look at that like that that is That was pretty fantastic.
0: I gotta say though, out of all of the castings of the young versions of your favorite characters, Corey Stoll as Uncle Junior was the biggest misfire. Because it's just it it, nothing about that worked at all for me. Yeah, they just well they turned him into like a catchphrase deliverer. Right. He was just like oh yeah, yeah, just, yeah. just just yeah. cunt and like that like they're like oh that's Uncle June. I didn't
2: realize Uncle June had catchphrases until this movie.
0: Yeah. Yeah, they they
1: really like just decided to make him a vehicle for fan service um without really expanding too much on what his character was cuz we only know him as the sickly old man in the Sopranos. So there's like an endless like uh there's endless possibilities for what that character could have been. But they decided to just kind of make him like I don't know like a beta cuck intellectual.
2: Yeah, I, I liked the characterization well, overall. But then, then they did like they had him slip on the sidewalk and like break his hip, so that I guess it could just like the young version of him mirrors him being old and decrepit. Like what the fuck? No, that that was that? the
1: origin story for why he goes down on women. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so that's that's basically he's just like ah that's the only way i can please a woman now because his dick don't work no more
0: well i mean uh well so anyway so so like, like the first other movie takes place in 1967 we we tony is is quite young it's not his son it's not james gandolfini's mm-hmm. son yet um but it's like it's a it's, a, it's another Who child kind back of there. upstages uh, uh, play, play. michael
1: gandolfini a little bit which i felt like yeah. that was the biggest
4: blow uh, <laughs> i do i do think of i do like the i think michael gandolfini like was given an impossible yeah. task yeah. and like acquitted himself yeah pretty yeah, well.
0: yeah yes i i and i i there was something i did find uh, genuinely touching about seeing totally. him play uh, yeah. his father basically and I, and I thought i thought like in an impossible task i thought he did a very good yeah. job with it that being said the whole first hour of the movie is essentially all a setup um leading to the the newark riots of 1967 which is like you know as a real historical event goes uh like, I mean, like, the whole first half hour of the movie just went nowhere, and I felt like the, the riots would be a cool thing to portray, but, like, it just basically, like, it gives Dickie an excuse to murder his father and blame it yeah. on black people.
5: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, that was uh, pretty much the entire setup. And also, by the end of this movie, you find out that literally the entire... Harold's storyline is a red herring for what is going to happen to Dickie Moltisanti. So it is kind of like, it is baffling as to what the purpose of at least one full hour of this movie
2: is very strange. Yeah. Yeah. But like the whole Sopranos is like every scene is sort of a vehicle for dissecting uh, the individual ways in which everyone's shitty. Whereas like this entire storyline with Harold, it's basically uh, just like expository dialogue explaining how like the numbers game works uh and then expository dialogue explaining like oh this is how the italians treat the uh black like it's none of it's actually characterizing anybody in those scenes it's all just explaining the broad strokes of the plot which aren't that
0: interesting and 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 like it and and it'll just sort of like remind like you know in dialogue they'll just remind you like vietnam is happening hey like actually black people have like a per capita like a way (laughs) higher (laughs) way higher draft numbers and casualties than everyone else so it's like you know anger race america like these things are just like oh like that leads to the newark riots and then like it happens and then it just jumps ahead in time and it's the 70s now and like the second half of the movie sort of like it it came alive to me a little bit more um and then with the introduction of um michael gandolfini playing like a now now a teenage era tony soprano he's in high school and you see him again like it's really not focused on him almost at all like there there you get you get a little bit of him and you get like a little bit of his ambitions to be an nfl (laughs) player but also his flirtation (laughs) with like petty crime and you know his sort of uh this seduction of him by this what he perceives as sort of a glamorous lifestyle as embodied by his uncle which really means like you get to like have a girlfriend who you buy a beauty parlor for and then murder
1: (laughs) yeah it's a wonderful (laughs) life where you can like get speakers for free and tv trays it's like there's there's nothing you you just realized in in watching this that like uh they made the mafia possibly more boring than they do in the sopranos in in a way that i felt like did not serve it like it didn't feel like it was like sending an intentional message it was just like yeah, you know he's uh, he's really attracted to the life where he can steal, like he can hijack a Mister Frosty and give people ice cream. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I,
0: I I did actually I I, I very much like the scene where it's a it's a, a Jackie April. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, young Tony and fucking Artie, uh, Bucco, Artie yeah. young like teenage teenage Artie Buco who's like, we're gonna get in so much trouble, guys. <laughs> they they hijack a Mister yeah. Softy truck and then just take it to a park and give people free soft serve. I like that scene because it showed uh, uh just uh, hints of uh, Tony, both his his sort of impish his boyishness but also his yeah gluttony. right yeah the gluttony, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: The, the gluttony <laughs> angle that they did in this movie i thought uh, for tony's character was actually great they did a lot of really like him stealing the mr frosty uh at one point he oh uh, hamburgers comes, far he, out. Comes home, <laughs> <laughs> he comes home he goes oh hamburger cool and he's just like yeah. he's stoked <laughs> on it, like it's stuff cool. like that yeah. i thought was great like uh it added a lot to I, the i character. like
2: to the mr softy scene like that to me makes a lot of sense for who tony is where he's like he's doing petty crimes and he's like beating up an ice cream man but for no uh, no real higher purpose other than to just give out free ice cream. But I feel like that scene is in direct contradiction to him feeling conflicted about getting stolen speakers. Yeah. Like you're telling me the same guy that just like beat up an ice cream man and like gave out free ice cream to the neighborhood gives a shit about whether like speakers are stolen or not. Like it didn't just yeah. didn't feel, it didn't make sense to me. Yeah.
4: Well, yeah, it's the type of thing that like would be better served by a show where there's like, Peaks and valleys in his feelings like that. This sort of thing that the show did like expertly. Mm -hmm. But like uh, in in the movie, it just everything's so rapid and like no scene has any time to like simmer. (laughs) Everything is so short that like you get whiplash. It's like, wait, when did this character change come? That happens
2: like. Pretty much every other scene, there's something like that going yeah, on. Yeah, the scene transition yeah. is like a loud song kicking in all of a sudden. I don't know if you
4: noticed that. Yeah, <laughs> David, David, they were like, David, we're going to run the, this movie when you go on the HBO Max menu, if you are able to log into HBO Max at all. <laughs> um they, they, It's going to be in between a show called like. The the happenstance it's, a, it's about an OBGYN who's psychic and uh, and uh, like a sort of like a, a up comedy special where the laugh track is edited out um, and he was like, okay but I need a $30 million budget for licensed music. And they were like, of course.
0: Uh, Another good use of a Van Morrison song in this movie. Uh, We all remember uh, the Van Glad Tidings from the scene where Tony Blundetto gets his head blown off by Tony with a shotgun. Um, And also that I have a good use of the Rolling Stones song, Sway. It's just that demon life got you in its sway. Demon life here being, being a (laughs) Um, I mean, I, I, one thing I was like uh, the, the scene where where Tony comes home and he's like, "Oh, hamburger, <laughs> cool, mom." Is is the one scene where you see? I, I thought it was in fact that this this the scene was was good with with young Livia because it the scene starts out. And it's like the one indication you get that Livia is like has any right. affection towards her kids at all. And it starts out, she's like, Oh, like I, I made you a special lunch or whatever. And he's like, Oh, thanks, mom. And then like it turns on a dime. Like she's excited, she's ready to go in the city and see a show or something with her friends. And she wanted to do something nice for Tony. And then like it turns on a yeah. dime because like because she's like uh um, because she she brings up about how like uh, she doesn't go, she doesn't go to Doctor Cuomo anymore presumably because he's too handsy. No, she doesn't go to the she doesn't go to the family doctor anymore because he keeps trying to push mood stabilizers on her and she's like that's for crazy yeah. people and then tony uh sings the rolling Stones song mother's little helper and then she's like are you on pot your sister smells like a gypsy how can i go to the city without thinking about my (laughs) children on pot Mm -hmm. and i just like the the way it's like it just turns on a dime and like what starts out as like a genuinely like nice moment between mother and her son just becomes rancid like almost instantly with because olivia's just like horrible psychology I, i thought that was
1: fantastic it was like to me after that scene i was like oh fuck now i i wish this was the whole movie if the whole movie had been about young tony soprano trying to get ellaville for his crazy mother i'd have been like that was a that was a good movie but they just made it this like weird d story an hour and a half into the movie uh, that just kind of peters out
4: again a thing that would have been better done (laughs) yeah exactly I wouldn't want to be a movie fan
2: right now. (laughs) I'll say that. It definitely felt like a pilot. TV TV tricksters. (laughs) It felt like a pilot or like a proof of concept. uh, And then you get to the end and then, you know, that ending, Jesus Christ. But yeah, (laughs) but like two days after the, like I saw the movie, I, I saw that David Chase had signed like a new development deal with HBO, which made it a lot of sense. We're like, okay, maybe it just was a pilot yeah
4: i i i like i'm like now i did not initially think in the way that you guys thought i'm i will admit i'm like a very cynical person i always assume the the worst in people i thought david chase was just like oh i think this is good (laughs) yeah here but like your guys' suggestion that like he's doing this because of how much he hates literally everyone who's ever watched the (laughs) show i'm like i'm now i'm like Man, this is If you if right. you watch it from that perspective, yeah. Yeah. If he's got a development deal and he's like, "All right, I got more Sopranos for you." I'm making a show about massive Yeah, G. right. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's like, okay, I take it back. He's awesome. This I is revenge. Him. I like him even more than David Mills. This is now. revenge
1: for uh, an industry that has spurned him for years. You know, the TV industry is the only thing yeah. that took him in. And movies, he wanted to make Sopranos a movie. He didn't want it to be a TV show. So it, the best oh, revenge yeah. is just making the worst movies. Uh to to say fuck you guys for liking this show i could have been somebody else you know i
3: mean it makes sense this guy yeah he clearly thinks movies are better than television he's correct about that yeah by the way and they've made him make a tv show and he the show he made gave people the idea that actually tv is better than movies and we've been living in that hell ever since (laughs) exactly (laughs) Yeah. yeah yeah he is like david Chase. For as favorably
4: we compare the Sopranos to like every bullshit, like Netflix shit, like they do exist, yeah, 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 no, yeah, like that is that is the he it is like, if I mean, that was if the the,
1: pixies like went on a murder spree and killed all of like every grunge artist who existed, every post, you know, post punk, and just decide, you know, because they're like, I hate what I have created, you know, that's that's what he's doing. In the form of Sopranos movie,
2: yeah.
0: I still don't know whether it's like yeah. this. Is, by the way, this is something that I can't relate to at all. So to, to him, to him <laughs> <No>. hating everyone. <laughs> uh,
2: yeah, I couldn't tell. Well, like
4: I, yeah, like it is like okay. It's like if like we ended the mm-hmm. show and then like ten years later, like Spotify, Disney, Hulu, or whatever company like exists, like. 15 years from now it is like okay we're gonna give you like 20 million dollars to bring it back and we're like oh okay <laughs> and it's like it's just uh, me matt and will just talking like talking with matthew walter
0: <laughs> for every episode
4: <laughs> like oh you wanted it back <laughs> yeah. huh
0: in, in another um <laughs> Uh, the, possible troll, but certainly fuck you to the uh the, the guys who thought Tony was yeah. the boss and the man, um, because you know it's obviously David Ch- David Chase like uh, d- despises the culture of you know mm. New Jersey fucking shitheads and you know like the the mob in general. Is his inclusion of the uh the plot line that involves uh Dicky uh, gorgeous Guma, the uh, beautiful Italian mm. girl who was uh, once his yeah. stepmother, now yeah. his girlfriend, um. The inclusion of a plot line in which he ends up um, having sex with uh, Leslie Odom Jr.'s character and then confessing it to Dickie Moltisanti, <laughs> yeah. which is like, okay, if, if you thought it would be cool or okay with your lover, it was an Italian mob guy, to admit to having sex with another man, you got another thing coming. If you think it would be okay to admit to having sex with a yeah, black yeah. man, oh, that's the one thing you don't do. And then what does he do? He immediately drowns her yeah, in the Yeah, but ocean. first he says the N-word, yeah. and I was like, Wow. <laughs> because He had not said it the entire movie. Well, he had not said it the entire movie. And it was pretty clear that they were making Dickie Montesante out of the out of the crew that he right. rolled in, was clearly supposed to be the most right. progressive <laughs> yeah. Italian yeah. man of the late <laughs> right. 60s. Yeah. In that like he would he would like you know make he would like you know uh, uh be nice to a black guy for any reason.
4: Okay, okay, hold on, hold on. Rewinded one the first scene we've seen with Harold when they talk about like how they beat the other team when they were in mm-hmm. the football team. What football team in like 1930s New Jersey or 1940s New Jersey was desegregated?
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they their high school buddies from the football team. I just like
2: that she waited until she was on a secluded beach uh, to right. confess to fucking his b- black friend. <laughs> yeah. I was like, well, now that there's no one else around and we're yeah. near a body of water, this seems like a great time to tell you what's been on my mind
1: so like i thought the character of Giuseppina existed well number one she existed to do this kind of like pseudo yeah, like freudian the whole scene thing where
2: she fucks the guy like where she uh, where she's like uh the whole scene exists to be like oh yeah i fucked a black guy and it wasn't that good uh, i actually right. still like fucking italian guys like what was that the whole yeah
1: i scene. I, <laughs> I don't understand <laughs> I I I've been trying to piece her entire storyline together to understand why she existed initially, other than the pseudo Freudian thing, which it's not Freudian to fuck your stepmom. Stepmoms are fair game. I think everybody knows that.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's the number Ex- one point exactly. category That's totally on the fine. internet. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs>
4: D- D- Dicky, I'm trapped in that washing machine.
0: No, Matt. Uh, the the, the include the reason for the inclusion of her yeah. character. You said it right at the beginning of the episode. Yeah, K- no, yes. it
1: was definitely for titty. Yeah, and yeah. also so we can watch yeah, I mean, her
0: she's fucking it
1: was great yeah. I, I went a little goo goo for her she was very hot <laughs> um, and at first I thought maybe she was like oh she kind of looks like Chris Moltisanti maybe she's actually Chris's mom you know like uh, I thought that's was gonna be what happens you know she's got the same nose but then they don't mention that at all in fact she has uh you know dickie's wife does have a baby so then at this point it can only lead me to believe that the her inclusion existed so at some point dickie could say the n-word which feels like a strange it's a strange reason to have uh, an entire character it was just like a character that existed so it could be like now it's on between me and this moulin yan and it's like uh it just it it made no sense to me. i I, I don't yeah. understand why they would do it.
0: here was here's another thing in the movie that I thought was that felt very out of place mm-hmm. to me, which was the inclusion of like two or three scenes of like extreme violence. Yeah like there, there's a scene where like Paulie and Silvio and Dicky torture one of Harold's right. associates by like drilling his teeth drilling the teeth yeah. out of his head in like an auto garage and then shooting him dead and then like and then the retaliation for that is, is some is some fat guy is like oh I'd like to smell yeah, her no, shit yeah, without, like, just yeah. so and like and, and his last words yeah.
2: were I would eat her shit and then yeah. he gets shot in the head I love that so much and then he gets his
0: fucking gourd just blown <laughs> yeah. apart with a I shotgun I love that so much
2: because it wasn't like he wasn't even creative to make like a you know one of those sayings where it's like oh I'd eat a mile of her shit just to see where it came from or whatever yeah, yeah. Like he, he was the same thing
3: it's like they just decided no. Nothing remotely clever.
2: Not even like close to a joke. Just I would eat her yeah. shit. Yeah. yeah just, I want her to piss on my face.
1: I, I, uh poo-poo come from the I, butt. I want to eat the butt. It's like this very, you know, I like the rawness of just like being so horny, you're just like, I eat the poo-poo. Yeah. I gotta eat the poo poo. You know, that's that's a level of horny I relate to.
4: I, I this is another aside, but like Silvio is like canonically now 40 years older than
0: Tony. <laughs> Yeah, yeah I, did, I didn't get that from the. I thought he was the me. worst actor Silvia, in this
2: by a mile, too. Like, oh. Yes.
1: He convinced me that the movie truly was a fuck you to the fans. That, like, that, the, like, because David Chase. The fact that they show Silvio
0: without his yeah. rug on. Without his toupee, and like there's one scene where, in this in the torture scene, his fucking hairpiece yeah. comes off, and you see his horrible comb over and shit. It's like they're really, ta- really. Hey, if you never liked Sylvia Dante, he gets taken down <laughs> a peg or two. Yeah, his, definitely,
3: he is the the fan service where the hostility is the most blatant it's like you like you yes. want to see young silvio yes. this is what he looks like you fucking pieces of shit exactly exactly <laughs> lap yeah. it up you he's fucking hogs fucking,
2: he's the baby yoda of the sopranos universe for sure yeah <laughs> i mean
1: it really was like a hostile fan service that i it made me feel like the the entire movie was intentionally bad that's that he, yeah
0: uh another grogu moment in this film was um there's a scene where uh the, the Leslie Odom Jr. character like he, he comes to he comes to the club to like talk to Dickie or something and like they're all sitting at a table and he orders a drink and Polly makes a you know a a, a Polly racial mm-hmm. comment to him about um is that what they're ordering on the plantation and then Leslie Odom Jr.'s character goes I don't know if you heard or not Polly we're not on the plantation anymore and I was like what
5: <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah <laughs>
0: Come on. Yeah, like... they're,
1: they're not even giving him clever shit to say.
2: Like, I mean, he that didn't... was like at the height of the Rat Pack where they're all making race jokes at each other and they couldn't come up with anything better than that exchange.
1: Yeah. I mean... He tacked on a lot of weird shit. Apparently all of the the Chris Maltese narration was also tacked on at the end because they were like, "Oh, people might be confused." And it's like that didn't help.
2: But that that whole exchange kind of goes to show you like the Polly making that joke was kind of like it it's a vehicle the uh you know to explain all all the specific ways in which Polly's like kind of shitty. And it has a very good idea of who Polly is as a character, Mm -hmm. but it has no fucking clue who this Harold guy is. It's just like, Oh, stock rejoinder
0: from the black guy in this scene. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, the second of uh, the, the, uh, these ham-fisted uh, Grogu moments that I wanted to bring up is okay so like it tells you from the beginning in Chris, Chris's voiceover where he's like that's Tony the guy who mm-hmm. murders me <laughs> <laughs> and, and then when uh, baby Christopher is introduced <laughs> yes. and uh, teenage Anthony Soprano tries to hold him he's like crying and then uh, teenage Tony Soprano is like oh, like oh the baby doesn't like me probably because he thinks I'm going to murder him sometime <laughs> in the future which is like <laughs> you know they say that
1: babies have premium cable on the other side.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. And, and I, at that point I was like, oh, this is a little heavy hand. And then one of like the old Italian biddies, like this old lady is just like the infants, they, 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 they come with knowledge from the other side. And it's like, oh, like this is, this is too much. It's just in case, you, in case you didn't catch that very subtle reference, to like, hey, he's going to murder you in yeah, the future. It's,
1: yeah, ham-fisted for sure. And then just like incomprehensible at like multiple moments. When he murders his dad by knocking his head against a steering wheel a steering like 20 wheel. times, <laughs> the, my, the part where I laughed the hardest in this movie is like he stops and he looks at him and he goes like, dad? <laughs>
5: yeah, are you okay, Pop? Are you okay,
1: Pop? And I was like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's fine. You just knocked him. You just broke his skull with a steering wheel. It, it was just so so weird. I it, it made me love it to be honest. I, lo- I love that shit. Like <laughs> there was another scene where we got Dicky and uh and Sill talking at the end. And, like, Sill is trying to, like, convince him, like, hey, maybe you should let uh, Tony come in with us. He could be a part of whatever. And Dickie goes, tell him. He could be a leader someday. Yeah, he could someday. be a leader. You know, <laughs> they did a Myers-Briggs, and he's an ENFJ. <laughs> so, uh, no, but, like, so then he goes, all right, tell him tell him to come to Holston's tomorrow. And Sill goes, there you go. And Dickie's like, let me finish, for Christ's sake. Pause. Tell him 9 a.m let <laughs> 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 him the finish to say the time ta- it's just like these weird moments where you're like they I don't know they yeah, wrote or it with the whole a bot scene-
2: where they're like the, the gang guy's running away from Harold, and it's just he's running down a street, and there's one hubcap on the street, and he manages to step on the fucking hubcap like it's a banana peel in a cartoon and falls down.
0: So uh, the, the film ends with like uh, the last piece of advice that um, prison Ray Liotta gives Dickie Moltisanti is like, if you care about your nephew, stay out yeah. of his life. Because you know, you're, like you're, I'm a piece of shit. I'm in, I'm in jail for murder. I'm gonna die in yeah. prison. Uh, this is like you're gonna end up here or, or worse. <sighs> I mean, like this is just everyone we know. This is everything he, we do. Only leads to like one yeah. of two outcomes. So like, Dicky has this moment of like cutting off right. Anthony. Well, can I just say and, real like, not, quick, not, not buying he him beer. He says right yeah. before
1: that, he goes, "You know the song, uh, my favorite things," and he's like, "Yeah." And He goes, "Maybe the things you do." aren't god's favorite which is a strange
5: (laughs) line because it's like he
1: doesn't need the reference of my favorite things to know what the word favorite means
0: (laughs) (laughs) matt he's 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 a jazz jazz guy he loves he he loves loves jazz he loves jazz music Uh, and show tunes yeah um so but like and, and like he has this moment of like this crisis of conscience where he's like gee maybe i um, just uh, should have put my nephew on the train tracks to a life of yeah. fucking crime. But then, like, and then stills just like, but eh, what, what, what if what if we did the opposite? <laughs> <have we> did? <laughs> and, then he's like, and he's like, oh, all right, okay, tell him to go to uh, Holstein's diner, the, the 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 place that he will yeah. one day die. Wink, wink, <laughs> yeah. nod, nod. Um, uh, and and then like, and then he mm. is murdered. And and I, like, again, like for for the only thing like that, this show, like that, this show, that this movie like, significantly introduces into, like, the lore or canon of The Sopranos is it reveals that Uncle Junior was the guy who got Dickie Moltisanti killed. Yeah, well... And it's just like, did, did we need to know that? Like, does it affect the well, show we, in any way? We like, find it, did, out, Were you like, oh, yeah. shit,
2: wow. We also find out that Tony almost didn't join the mafia because his uncle wouldn't buy him beer, which I thought was, like, nice. Yeah,
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean, I think that would have, as a kind of like a, a standalone thing, that if it was one of multiple really good uh, plot lines, you know, finding out that Junior is the one who killed... Uh, Dickie Multisante. I think I would, would have been pretty satisfied with it. But making the whole movie center around like it, it literally inventing an entire red herring fucking plot line that's 50% of the movie about this guy named Harold to have him just instead be killed by Junior because because Dickie laughed when he slipped is just it, it's yeah. um I mean, it's just like if someone I guess like David Chase can just get money. So he was like, well, I'm going to do what I want to do. And well, yeah. I had to do that.
0: I, 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 did, I did like, I mean, it, it was credible to me in so much as like the motivation for why Uncle Junior totally. would pay to, like pay some guy to have him clipped or whatever because, yeah, he laughs at him yeah. one time. But prior to that, like after uh, Dickie's father dies or is murdered <laughs> by Dickie, uh, at, at the funeral, uh, Junior's like, hey, he's like, Dickie's like, I don't, have, I don't have anyone right now. I don't have any family. Uh, you got your brother. Like, what do I have? And Uncle Junior says, Dickie, I want you to think of me as your brother now. And like he's like he like opens his heart to him, but it's never reciprocated. And the fact that everybody likes Dicky and he's charming right. and charismatic, and the ladies like him is like that's what eats away totally. at Uncle Junior, who who is is. Why you know, does everybody like, a a like him he's so unlikable. much? He's the same
3: fucking dumbass goomba as the rest of them. Like he he's, he dresses slightly better. Like he color coordinates. So that's it. Otherwise, he's just the same. guy. Hey, gotta go away! What are you doing? He's the same fucking dumbass as the rest of them. Yeah, It's in mean, one moment where he's like notably more charming or anything than anybody else. He's literally just slightly better looking. Yeah. He's
4: he's like not more. Right. Blue yeah. Blue. <laughs> that's like the <laughs> thing he he's has going good for.
1: cholesterol. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, it, there, there's no real reason as to why he is supposed to be like, oh, man, that guy was on top of the world. I mean, at least his father. Like, I kind of got it. Like, he's the, his father was the kind of guy who was, like, showing, you know, a big-titted woman to a priest. Like, I get why people <laughs> would like Hollywood Dick. But there was blandness in Dickie's character that made me wonder why anyone... Why make a whole movie about him if you're not going to make him interesting?
4: That is something you could, like, do in this show where he's, like, not identifiably right. like more charismatic or, like, smarter or funnier. Like, uh, like... But like in the movie, it just like you don't get to have time to have that joke, that meta joke cook. I do you remember? I think we all like blacked this out because it was so mm-hmm. insane. But the thing where he's talking to Ray Liotta in prison, and he's like, "Oh, one of the good things I do is I teach a blind <laughs> baseball." <team.">
0: yes. yes <laughs> Why yes, a
4: fuck a scene of him
0: doing that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, he, he, and, like, and then, like, and then Ray character is like, "What? You got to be fucking kidding me!" And in the back of my mind, I'm like, "Wait, yeah. Like, how does that even make sense?" And then they show him doing it, and he's just coaching blind kids by being like, "Turn right. left, <laughs> turn left." <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, I mean, that was one of
2: my favorite moments because I just, I mean, I assume, like, I just read that as not a thing that he actually does, but just like this uh way that he sees himself. Where right, he's like, it's what a dumb like, guy really would wants, think a good yeah. Yeah. deed is. Exactly. A dumb guy is like, what's the
1: goodest deed that I I could do? And he's like, blind baseball. You know, he's like, "Uh, (laughs) uh, handicap kickboxing. Like, he's just (laughs) thinking of how to help people. And uh, the weird thing is, is beat baseball apparently is a real thing. And it was also uh, invented, like, way after. The time period of this movie, so I think it's canon that (laughs) Dicky Moltisanti invented (laughs) or blind he invented beat baseball.
4: (laughs) Yeah, like, like, yeah, it's a type of thing where it's like that would have been like a one-off line that like shows that he's the type of person who like does awful shit, and then is like, oh, I've like thought about doing a good thing though. But in the show, it's like, no, he really did teach blind baseball, and it's like like just insane choices
2: all yeah. around
1: i mean was he actually supposed to have I done yeah, that
2: i don't think that was to me that was not a real flashback that was just like his own
1: yeah he was dream i think dream that was sequence. this close it's a dream sequence and it was because at one point someone goes you really are a saint which i know this movie is very on the nose but i think that is a bridge too far <laughs> like it's not
4: yeah maybe maybe i might be being too cynical again
0: well, uh, so the movie ends with uh, young Anthony at Dickie's funeral, and he's looking at the open, you know, open casket. Got gotta be yeah. open casket. God, it's so important, Janice. so important.
1: He's looking at the open <laughs> casket. Janice tells <laughs> yeah. him, "Oh man, this is so sad. Remember when he used to take us to movies? That th- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was like oh cool. <laughs> like this is this is incredible."
0: And it's 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 young Anthony. He's looking at his uncle in in the open casket, and you get. You get the opening bars Mm -hmm. of Woke Up This Morning. (laughs) You're hearing it. You're hearing he's about to... And you're like, oh, he's about to get himself a gun. (laughs) He's about to get himself a gun. But no, it's like it's looking at the casket and then you hear Christopher's voiceover and he's like, that's the guy. That's the guy I went to hell for. And the movie ends with him... In, in another like imagine sequence doing a pinky swear <laughs> that with his was like uncle. not
2: only the weirdest choice but like the most poorly executed choice because mm-hmm. there was a close-up of uh dicky's hands and he's got the rosary around his right hand there's like no pinky ring and then all of a sudden it's like a different hand that they show with a pinky ring on it and like i don't know how the fuck we were supposed to even just assume that that was the same hand uh-huh. and like was he did tony take the it's, hand out of the coffin or did the dead guy come alive <laughs> what the fuck happened there
0: it's it's not totally out of nowhere because earlier in the movie dickie makes young tony pinky swear that he's going yeah, to be He good. literally is like <laughs> and he's going like, to do
1: better swear swear on this like that is the weirdest fucking pinky swear
0: so i mean this is this is this tony obviously is going to be he's going to be doing yeah. bad the, the end arc with
3: tony is really baffling to me so he wants to get beer <laughs> for a party <laughs> dickie says ah get out of here my fangu. Yeah, and then he goes to go to he goes to like the club or something and he sees them doing crimes right mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah they're like they're all right a truck and, and then stolen he's like merchandise he goes home something. and he throws away his stolen speakers he's like i'm not gonna do it no forget about it yeah then <laughs> his beloved uncle dickie is murdered in a gangland mm-hmm. execution And then at the funeral, he's like, I'm going to do crimes.
5: (laughs) 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 All of those things
3: are pushing
1: in one direction. It's the opposite thing that he pinky sweared to as well. See, well, like, <laughs> I think what
2: happened was, I think what happened was, he uh, almost not did crime because his uncle wouldn't buy him beer, and then Silvio, future worst consigliere ever, uh, talked his uncle out of it. Actually, talked him into getting his nephew back into crime. Uh, right, and then yeah, and now he's doing crimes.
3: But why did he pinky
2: swear? Okay, why that, did he at the and, end? And the, and the,
3: pinky swear, the pinky swear
2: made no sense to How me. How does your you know, uncle get okay, well, murdered
3: in a mafia killing uh, make you like, that's it. I'm going to do the crimes that I was ambivalent <laughs> about. I was wondering. But yeah. you know what? Seeing him here dead in the fucking casket, it really makes me think, this is the life for me. <laughs> yeah.
0: well okay i mean this is like the last bit of like real fan service in this movie it's because there's a scene earlier in the movie where uh anthony tells dickie he's like he sees a guy get shot on the street he sees one of his uh, you know uncle's cousins friends or whatever he gets shot by the police and he's like dickie i don't want that to happen to me (laughs) and dickie goes hey oh as long as i'm around you're gonna you're gonna be fine kid and then the movie ends with Dickie being murdered and the second to last scene in the movie is young Anthony at Holstein's diner where the last scene of the show takes place and what many people right. interpreted as the uh, Tony Soprano's death scene. Um, but like this movie, I think the uh, chase is making it fairly clear here that like in case there's any ambiguity, the end of the Sopranos is Tony's death. Yeah.
1: I mean, I think that's the, that, that, that is a way to look at it. I, I didn't, I, I still think it's relatively ambiguous. Um,
0: a l- yeah, a little bit, but I mean, he's no, he's, he's, he's putting his, uh, yeah, his yeah. little bird there, a little there so I, he couldn't die. Yeah,
4: I, I I think like we're gonna think that then in seven years we're gonna get like a new Sopranos where it's like, no, actually, nothing happened right. in the diner, and it's just like shitty new Sopranos with like an aged CGI Michael Gandolfini, <laughs> and he's like, and it's just like him being like, what the fuck is TikTok. <laughs> <laughs>
5: <laughs> like, okay. If David Chase
4: really wants to be like fuck yeah. the fans, I would love it if he yeah. wrote that. If he like, yeah, if he like has Tony like get on TikTok and like, like, uh, like drives a Prius yeah. and shit, that would be awesome.
0: <laughs> well, I don't know if you guys clocked this or not, but like the pinky swear was not actually the oh, end no. of the movie. In one fine, in one final troll of the audience, this movie in- includes a post credit sequence. Right, it says, directed by Alan Taylor, you hear, you know, you hear, woke up this morning, got yourself a gun, you're like, damn, that's yeah. the Sopranos, baby. <laughs> then it cuts to a scene of Leslie Odom Jr. and he's on the street and he's like meeting with his guys, he's clocking money, he's like doing business and shit and you're like, you know, this is like, was only included because like, I know I know David Chase just knows his audience and they were like, oh, we're gonna see, we're gonna see Anthony, he got himself a gun, he's gonna kill this Ditsun, oh, he's gonna kill this shine, get revenge for his uncle nothing. and then nothing <laughs> happens it's it's just it's, it's just harold he just clocks a big bankroll puts it in his pocket and he's like all right i'll see to, you guys later to me
1: that 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 to me is david chase also saying fuck you to like marvel like mcu post-credit sequences like you're sitting there you're like oh where's captain America's shield baby let's see it and then just nothing nothing happens at all he might as well have gone yeah. on screen and said hey
0: fuck yourself and left but b- brilliant so, brilliant so I think I think in conclusion, I think there is uh, perhaps something a little admirable just about how much David Chase hates yes. <laughs> yes. people. Yes. <laughs> yes, I will I will say that. It, yes,
1: it's it's lovely. Like it, you have to, he teaches you how to become like a masochist. You know, like mm-hmm. it, like uh, the more he shits on me, the more I want him to make more content. It's weird. It's weird, but I uh, you know. I, I admire it. That's that's what an artist does. Uh, yeah, just uh,
0: just like the guy who gets his head blown off with a shotgun, my attitude is mm-hmm. David Chase. I'd i love, would love to eat, you to eat shit. shit. David,
4: David Chase, if you want to keep making sh- uh, series and movies that will infuriate the fans, I have so many ideas for you. Uh, I came up with this one just now. Okay, this is marketed... As like Ralphie, Tony, Jackie June, Jackie, uh, you know, like at the time where they rob features yeah. on his card game, it's like the 80s They're on the come up, like all, all, the, all, all, all like very period specific stuff. Like use some cool licensed eighties song in the trailer, but seventy percent of the movie is about Artie Bucco being a <laughs> chef. <laughs> oh
5: man.
0: Yeah, I think uh, I think that wraps it up for uh, the many saints of Newark uh, Sopranos yeah. story, uh, gentlemen. Any closing thoughts on the film or just the uh, Sopranos and uh, um, life in general?
1: I, yeah, it was in terms of a movie, um, uh, I would say solid B plus. It was uh, fantastic, and you know, run to the theater immediately and watch mm. it. Run uh, to your living room. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, don't buy a ticket to it. Uh, by the way, uh, it took in five million at the box office, and I was like, big, "Yeah, big I was numbers. like, oh fuck, this is bad." <laughs> uh, like, yeah. Anyways, but uh, yeah, great movie, uh, fantastic Vince. What are your What are your thoughts?
2: Uh, I mean, I always wanted to know how Tony got a blue moon in his eye, and uh, now I think I know. <laughs> <laughs>
4: It, I bet it made David Chase so fucking happy. It made a yes. the box office. I'm like yeah. happy for him. He was yeah. Probably, yeah. he had a party to celebrate. Good for
1: him. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I don't know if they'll be doing any more of these movies. I really hope they did. Uh, th- I hope they do. Um, and we will be, uh, you know, covering all of them on Pod Yourself a Gun, the world's only Sopranos podcast. That's that's uh, that's that was a plug.
0: Mm, good job <laughs> <laughs> but now that you plugged it on our show that means we get to oh please we're kicking up other. we're kicking other. up happy, <laughs> yeah. happy to do it <laughs> Vince Mancini and Matt Lieb of Pod Yourself a Gun I want to thank you guys for hanging out and talking Sopranos you yeah. oh, oh, thanks, thanks for having us so uh, cheers until next time everybody
3: bye 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 and
0: the princess will wake up from her slumber and all the knights will step forth with their arms